And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this uh, bank holiday weekend, Saturday morning, the 1st of June in the middle of bloom pouring. The middle of bloom. And where you're fresh from. (laughs) (laughs) I am literally just back. As you know, last weekend I was in the Mallow Garden Festival in County Cork. Yeah, of course, you weren't with us last week on the programme. No, we had a a fantastic festival. It's actually the first time I've been to the Mallow Festival and and it's gone there for over 20 years and it's a real tradition in, in Mallow. You get the real true gardeners coming out you know the, the uh, I was going to say the little old ladies, but right. it's not all that. It's it's uh, <laughs> some you know really plants people. It was a very interesting uh, weekend last weekend, so that teed me up very nicely for Bloom. Okay. Bloom has been running. I've been there since um, Wednesday of this week, doing some media work on Wednesday and then Thursday. Of course, Bloom opened to huge crowds, record crowds again this year. I can tell you the weather has been fantastic. Okay, in Dublin. we're looking forward all to. I, I'm going to go. I'm going myself tomorrow. So and um, that was my only concern because. Uh, no more than that forecast there like yesterday was a bit of a disaster in this part of the world yeah, but well, not, not, in, not, not so Dublin. on the no, east no, no, coast anything, so that's we, good we were getting a suntan uh, it was very warm and uh, it was overcast but the, the sun broke out as well but we haven't really seen any rain and the plants have been needed to be watered at bloom but the standard this year Deirdre is absolutely fantastic there Brilliant. are 22 show gardens the judges were uh, when I was there Wednesday they were popping around uh, with their last minute checks and balances and they've awarded um, 11 gold medals which is a record for Bloom this year I do uh, the, the standard is absolutely amazing I mean even the garden that won this year it's designed by Alan Rudden it's called the I have to get it's a bit of a tongue twister it's it's by the Cetor, the Santa Rita yes, uh, vine uh, the, the uh, wine people Donna Paula is the actual uh, name of the garden and uh, the, the designer just shows the kind of work that goes into it he went to Mendoza in Argentina to get a flavour of the countryside to the landscape he spent two weeks there wow <laughs> isn't that a nice that's, gig I was going to say that's tough work but that's the sort of research that he puts into it to see the plants that actually grow in Argentina in Mendoza in particular which is a very kind of elevated uh, part of Argentina where they grow the vines on and he then brought that those ideas back to Dublin and replicate it an Argentinian landscape and lots of plants from Argentina as well and from all over the world but that won best at show this year it got a gold award um, uh, medal. Alan is a relatively young designer. He's probably only in his thirties, but he's won. He must have won three or four golds at this stage. So he's obviously a, a very seasoned, talented. Yeah, a seasoned perennial uh, a designer at Bloom every year, and his garden is the largest garden. It's unique in that people will be able to walk through it. Okay, because so, some of them you kind of can just look in at. That's all. Most I think all of the other twenty two, the other twenty one, you physically can't go on, okay. or, you're, or, or generally you won't get onto the uh, um, gardens. But his one has a pathway right at the very back so you can walk up at the back of his the garden and look down on the oh, garden. Oh, that sounds fabulous. And he's integrated, um, he's very big on the whole functionality of gardens, the usability of gardens. So he has designed in an outdoor kitchen, an outdoor dining area. He's got particularly kind of suitable to the west of Ireland. He's built a covered space with a louvered roof. So you simply press a button, and, <laughs> and, the, and, and it moves over the and roof back. Lifts up and Fabulous. lets the light in, and then obviously on, on wet weather like yesterday, it closes down again. Um, so it's it's a it's a particularly good show. The other gardens that I thought were particularly nice were the um, dementia garden, and I recorded a piece yes. with Rob Moore that we can come to in a couple of minutes if you want. Um, that's a particularly nice garden, well worth seeing because it 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 speaks really of of rural Ireland. So they've actually got even a haycock. A cock of hay, and that well, <laughs> yeah. And for people with dementia, see, um, and going back, I suppose to 
uh, younger times for them. Really, I suppose a lot of the reality is based there. Um, That's a wonderful thing to be able to incorporate and that really generates the interest. It grounds grounds people back Mm. to to, to a time maybe in the 50s or 60s or 70s. Something will trigger a memory and that's really what they've... and And what was interesting about when I spoke to Robert, he actually involved a lot of families with dementia in, in, in terms of design, designing the garden and the sort of plants that he should use that people that trigger a memory for, for, for individuals. So particularly plants with scent and old cottage garden plants. So that's a particularly nice garden. You'll enjoy seeing that. Um, children's Hospital Garden, again, is lovely this year, beautifully planted with a lot of car- cottage garden plants. And Fingal County Council, I have to give great credit to Fingal County Council because they come every year to Bloom mm. and put on a garden. And this year, the garden is absolutely beautiful. So they've gone with a very, it's called Be Positive. Yes, I, I noticed the name all right. Yeah, and it's, um, they're the only And it's count. as in B-double-E positive. B-double-E, absolutely. Be Positive. And they have a lovely mixture of um, apple trees planted with underplanted with uh, all wild flowers. Now, it's in the kind of... Um, meadow, you know, the, the grassland. So there's weeds, what we might associate with weeds, but of course they're wildflowers. Wildflowers. And all in around their, their apple trees. They've got a lovely greenhouse with a lot of uh, plants that have been pollinated by bees. And then the fabulous cottage garden area, which again is all planted with bee-friendly plants. So it's really nice to see a county council putting that effort mm. into uh, the the bee garden at, at Bloom. So be positive. And that's really the theme at Bloom this year. It's very much about environmental issues. It's picking up on the green trend at the moment. Um, so a lot of gardens are, are certainly putting in plants and, and different aspects of environment friendly. So for example, there's a garden called the Undersea Garden. It's d- designed by um, Oliver Schumann, who's a, a great designer at Bloom. And he has recreated uh, the sea in wow. a garden. So it's it's literally probably five feet high. It's a marine garden and with marine fish in it and marine... So we're so talking about fish octop- from the sea, like? We're talking about octopuses. We're talking about crabs. No way! Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there looking around. forward to that. And on Wednesday when I was there, Oliver donned the togs and I'm in he went... <laughs> <laughs> to cultivate his undersea garden. Okay. So it's very, he's a very clever designer and kind of really goes out there with his designs. He doesn't really care what people think about his garden. He's just, he's making a message and his message is all about the pollution in our seas. So a lot of, around the garden, he's showing the, the plastic bottles and all the sort of okay, rubbish. Okay, so there's the ecological message huge, really. That's a huge message. And I've, I've been speaking at Bloom for the five days on the expert stage. Um, I've took today off because the voice is nearly gone. And, and there is this programme to do, of course. <laughs> of course, that's the reason I came back. Of course it was. And uh, we're, we're back tomorrow and uh, Monday, so people can catch me at three o'clock on the expert stage. But I'm also on the board in Mona's stand giving advice to people and showing the veggie pod, which we're getting a great reaction to. But there's a huge amount of questions coming about environmental issues. So people are, it's not just the gardens that are reflecting, it's not just the green vote that we've seen. Same, yeah. we, a huge trend on people asking about things that they can do in a small way to bring the butterflies and bees into the garden or to do something, maybe water conservation. They're challenging Bordemone on their peat compost and seeing if there are any alternatives, which is very interesting to it hear. It is, I'm sure, yeah. And, and what's happening with the bogs and all that. So okay. there's, a, there's a huge trend, a trend that I haven't seen. It, it very much in, in the UK for the last 10 years, in Britain, um, environmental issues were coming to the fore through gardening. Here in Ireland, it's the first time I've seen that sort of level of interest from the Joe public. So it's, it's very much reflective of the vote 
the green vote. Very interesting because I mean sometimes I, I suppose one wonders is it is it a lip service thing that yeah. we're hearing about a little no. bit or or is it a media elevation which can happen yeah. um, uh, and, or a big focus for, from one particular group but in your experience and you know you're doing this a, a, a fair a while time. yes yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not yeah. yeah it's the first but, uh, year yeah, that, that there is that uh, people are looking to make that small change they themselves they're asking what they can do in a small way and and the, certainly the gardens with all the with the bee friendly plants in particular are getting huge interest so there's loads of people visiting the Dementia Garden in particular they're calling the gardenery memories are made of this like back to the Dean Martin song yes. and it's kind of bringing people back to that time where they remember things but on all the gardens this year there's um there's that, that element. Another lovely garden worth seeing is the uh, sponsored by the wheelchair, the Irish Wheelchair Peter Association, Leonie Cornelius, who's a great designer in Leitrim, Sligo, lives in the border there between Leitrim, Sligo. Um, Leonie has a lovely garden, again, it's just inside the, the doors of, as you go into the show gardens on the right hand side. And the other garden that's worth seeing is a garden designed by Kevin Dennis. It's the first garden you're going to meet on the way in. Beautiful. If you like straight lines and formal and Ooh. yeah, symmetry, <laughs> symmetry. If you're I like into symmetry. That, yeah. So getting away from the kind of wild, wild theme. Kevin, Kevin is very much into that. He's into his clean lines and uh, he's made a great use of hard landscaping in particular. Lovely water features as well. Again, he won gold. Um, I thought he'd actually win. The, sh- the best in garden to be okay. honest I had tipped my hat right. to him but but he won gold definitely and Alan Rudden just bet him with the uh, with uh, both got gold but Alan's tipped um, with the Argentinian with the, with the themed garden. now remember it's not just gardening it's there's loads of food there's over a hundred food producers and, and there's a, a bloom in or bloom pub as okay, I should say right. as well with all the craft <laughs> beers um, so if people are going my advice is to go really early be there for nine o'clock type of thing half nine get in early um, go to the show gardens possibly first and then come back to the to the food elements of it children grow free right through the weekend and it's definitely well worth it's a, it's a full day out go up on the train possibly this complimentary buses, buses then bringing you into the Phoenix Park you could walk it as well it's about a 15 minute maybe 20 minute walk from Houston Station and um but do go early and try and leave a little early then to, to avoid, avoid the traffic. The so around six o'clock, it just gets bedlam coming out on the M50. Okay. Um, but well worth a visit. So the two gardens, I I, yeah. I I recorded a piece with on the Dementia Garden, maybe we might play that first, with Robert Moore. And Robert probably tells the story better than I can. Okay. So listen to this. Over to Robert. Well, I'm joined by Robert Moore on the Memories Are Made of This Garden. It's a beautiful garden, Robert. Well done. Thank you, Boric. Some beautiful planting, old cottage garden planting. It's really to help people to reminisce, isn't it? It is. The garden is centred around reminiscence and nostalgia and the power or sort of the empowering that that gives to people in terms of when they they see or they smell something from typically the sort of profile of someone who has dementia might be in their 70s or 80s. Their childhood relate to around the 1950s. So we're trying to kind of capture that and and, and use it to sort of trigger these memory tracks to allow them to kind of reminisce and and, and, and and to remember all the stories of whether they were interacting with their their, their parents or grandparents, neighbours in the garden. Yeah, and I remember during the week, last week, Nora Owen spoke very lovingly of her husband, Brian, and how important gardening and plants is to him and to help him ground him. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the things from the brief when the HSE contacted me and we... We kind of we, we teased out uh, we teased out a brief for this garden. The we thought it'd be a good idea to to engage with um, the, some of the dementia social clubs, coffee mornings, the Bloomfield Social Club in particular, and 
we kind of teased out the ideas that were important to them. I mean, obviously I had an idea of what I wanted to create and, and help them deliver a message, but it was kind of that interaction that allowed us to kind of make something very personal. And, and, and they related stories of when they were younger and they remember sort of, you know, the, the times they spent with their parents or grandparents in the garden. And it really did open up. It took a little while. We had some sort of, we had some meetings around mood boards and photos and ideas. And over the course of 90 minutes, they kind of really opened up and it just allowed them to access where they may not have accessed those memories. It was just that there was a trigger there that sparked it. So the, the sort of elements within a garden, you know, the, there's a visual element, there's scent plays a, a very important role. And obviously music is a very important thing in triggering memories and hence why it's called Memories Are Made of This after the 1950s Dean Martin song. And so you mentioned scent there, so it's plants like the lovely Arthur Bell Rose, that fantastic scent from that. And then old cottage garden plants, the lupins, delphiniums, the alliums, the poppies, they're all, I suppose, to evoke those memories. Yeah, I mean, they're very evocative of of, of a, a type of demographic of gardening almost, you know, that, and that relates to an era. I mean, there's... We, you know, we've got snapdragons and lupins and loads of loads of foxgloves. I mean, traditional digitalis purpurea, which you yeah. would see grown in hedgerows. Old-fashioned garden yeah, plants, I suppose, really. really. old-fashioned, yeah. And I love the props you've put in as well, the potting shed and the stack of hay yeah. and the oil-fired lamps and all the pieces that, again, people will associate with their childhood. Yeah, and it gives the garden a feeling, you know sort of design is not just about sort of implementing structures and color schemes like you get a feeling off this garden i think you know you re when you see it you instantly it sort of transports you back and that's the whole idea of reminiscence and nostalgia is that it it sort of transports people back within their own mind and allows them just to access that sort of and what's important for us is that that then this information gets shared again in the present so that so there's sort of now the, the, those of us who aren't directly uh, affected by dementia we can engage with 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 people who are yeah and it allows us it gives us the rural space within the garden gives us there's a couple of cantilever benches into an old stone wall and they look back across a modern sculpture in the garden it gives us time just to reflect on on sort of our place in the story yeah well it's a very very peaceful garden it's a very beautiful garden and well done i've watched it today and so many people have stopped by to have a look at the garden yeah no it's been it's it's really nice gardens are in interactive space i mean some little private spaces in gardens are just little points of reflection but a garden like this it's meant to be seen and it's meant to be enjoyed and i love just when there's a crowd the issue might be tomorrow and the next few days is stopping them sort of all wanting you know oh, we're going yeah. to try and sort of allow people in when we can yeah you know just to sort of yeah. just to see all the elements well i think it's certainly a garden that people will will take away in their own memories from bloom yeah, this year. it's nice that it's it's part of something and making new memories. Yeah, well, well done. It's a beautiful garden. If people are calling into Bloom, make sure you drop by by the Dementia Garden. Dementia Garden number ten. Garden number Memories ten. Are made of this. Thanks, Robert. Thank it's a pleasure. Robert. So, garden number ten there number for 10. that. It's right? easy to find. It's very very colourful. Look for the stack of hay. It's a, a very simple one to go. The other garden to, to, to remind people is that the OPW have a fantastic Victorian wall garden. We often feature it on the programme here. Again, I walked it on, on a couple of times during the week, but they've got beautiful planting there. Again, if people want to see, and also the five a day or, or you know, the potatoes mm. and the strawberries. They have a lovely variety of strawberry called Symphony growing. And Brian Quinn, who's the head gardener, was telling me that he's picked the first crop of that, huge big strawberries on it, and it's giving a second crop already. And there's another crop of flowers 
So it's going to continue to flower and fruit right through the end of the summer. So drop into the OPW garden as well. It's well worth a visit. It's an enclosed old Victorian garden with wall fruit uh, growing on the walls, obviously, and things like potatoes and, and strawberries and all your five a day. And then they have a fabulous herbaceous border running right up the centre of it. And Brian himself is the guy that looks after the bees for Michael D. So he looks after the 17 hives in the Orson Uchtron. So he's a very much a, a passionate about bee plants and bee friendly plants. And, and he's just a in, very interesting guy to talk to. And, and, and a relatively young chap as well, but really into his into the environmental issues as well. So the other garden I dropped yep. by was the Crumlin Children's Hospital, Hospital. Garden. Um, and I spoke spoke to Kieran Dunn, who's, who's the designer and landscaper of this garden. Okay, let's have a listen. Well, I've come back to the Crumlin Hospital's garden to take another look at some of the planting with Kieran Dunn co designer and co-landscaper of this beautiful garden here at Bloom. Kieran, that's your favourite border, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's uh, splendid in colour and in scale. It's lovely. It's, it's a, I suppose, a mixed palette of blues, whites, creams and pinks. Yeah, it has hydrangeas, it has uh, betula, it has lupins, it has everything in the mix. And I suppose, initially, it was supposed to be a sculpture and some pebble, but I'm a plants person, so it got filled up with plants. The plants won out. Yeah. And the, you were telling me earlier the hydrangea there is one called Runaway Bride. It flowers a whole summer long. Absolutely. And it flowers on current growth, which means this year's growth is not last year's growth. So, so if listeners plant it in their garden, it's going to flower, flower this year. Flower all, all summer long, yeah. And every year. And it's always yeah. questions about hydrangeas, isn't it? When are they going to flower? So that's a really easy one yeah, to grow. Yeah, and it's creamy white, which is splendid. Yeah. And a lovely open cup flower. It's a beautiful plant, really, really nice, and that lovely creamy colour. And you're also telling me about a new Irish rose uh, bred here in Ireland in County Tipperary. That is correct, by David Kenny. So it's a real good new story for Ireland that we can bring new plants to bloom and launch them at bloom for our, our customers. Now, it's in bud and in flower. The buds are a rich golden yellow. They open to a creamy white and a, I suppose a pink or purple centre. Purple centre, yeah which is very unusual. So it's an element of surprise as what other plant comes out in a bright yellow and then opens up into a surprise of creamy white and, and purple. And with the amount of flower buds on it there it's actually going to flower right through until the end of the summer. Absolutely and everybody loves roses. So what's the variety again? It's called Looking for Love. Looking for Love. In Garden 14. And it's, I suppose it's, it's a kind of a low ground covering. It's not a tall rose. It's, it's a not tall, a tall tall yeah. rose, no. Yeah, so no. lovely on a bank, a slope, or as you've planted here in a carpet. It works well, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. sound of water behind. The garden is absolutely beautiful, Kieran. It's very cool, very calming. It must have been a pleasure to work on. It was a pleasure, but it was hard work. <laughs> but we had a great team, and it's made up of, of good people who are interested in bringing the garden to bloom. Yeah. Good, good, good people and good plants. Well, yeah, well thanks, Kieran. You know, when, I, when I asked him that question about was it a pleasure yeah. to work, with, I was expecting him to say it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and a he, and pregnant look, pause, yeah, I think, as much as I. He was looking at me to say. Yeah, I can, I can, I can relate to that in the in in terms of putting on a play. Yeah. Um, and at the end, people say, oh, "So, will you do it again?" And I go, "Hmm. Yeah. I have to have a think about that yeah, because yeah. it does take so much out of you." And I suppose that that's obviously something similar. The creative process it can be a bit exhausting. Yeah, no, uh, and not just that. A part of my 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 talk talk tomorrow will be about I, I show the view, the uh, audience the Greenfield site that the guys get 
and the greenfield plot they get, which is literally a green field. And they have to bring it from that to the garden mm. you, you see at Bloom within three weeks. Okay. So I was there a week ago. I was there, um, you know, I went to kind of one week before the opening of Bloom and it was a bomb site. It was literally machinery yeah. all over the place. You know, I was thinking to myself, there's Muck, no dirt, way the guy's going yeah. to have this done. And yeah. within that six days or seven days, they literally, they're working night and day to transform it. And they're, they're very precious about their gardens. Um, so, But obviously because so much work goes into so it. So much work, mm. absolutely. They're, yeah. they're hugely proud of it. Um, wonderful sounds there. And I know you picked up on it at the sound of the water it really coming through. Can I just give a little mention to Castle Ree Men's Shed? Yes. Uh, because they are uh, medal winners this year. They have been uh, taking part, I think, in conjunction with uh, the GRE TV and they got a highly commended uh, award there for their postcard garden. Yeah. So we'll have to have a look in at that as well tomorrow. Yeah, so there's there's 22 show gardens and then you've got 14 postcard gardens which tend to be community-based, which are well worth paying a visit as well. And, you know, that's great. Fantastic. They got yeah. awarded a medal. Just on the medals front, because I, I was just wondering, what uh, do we know what kind of distinguishes, shall we say, a garden to be a gold garden uh, as opposed to a silver garden yeah. or a commended garden or whatever, the, the kind of, uh, as it goes down the ranks. So, so the way it works is that the, the guys, the, all the designers have to have their gardens finished by Tuesday. So Tuesday of this week, the judges go around. So the judges are international renowned judges that, mm-hmm. that judge at Chelsea Flower Show at all the high prestigious. So it's not your local uh, Pori Corkin dropping in and oh, giving well, no, his don't, opinion. Don't be under, underselling. So, <laughs> so these are high level international judges yeah. that are brought in by Borbia. There's generally five to six judges and even when I'm there on media day, you have to be very quiet and respectful of the judges. Like they give out to you if you're, if you're making any sort of noise. Right. So the guys go around and they examine every aspect. They spend two to three days analysing each garden. So they come around first of all and they'll actually quiz the designer in terms of what was his inspiration, what was his ideas, what were the difficulties. And they give no hints whatsoever to how your, your garden is doing in terms of judging. They give no feedback whatsoever in day one. So it's very annoying right. for the, you can't the, even the designers. Tweet, you tweet can't tweet even it. ask them. <laughs> yeah. right? okay. And then they come back on the Wednesday uh, to, again, give a final grilling. And really what they're looking for is the overall design. How does it m- match its brief? And then in terms of the quality of planting, the quality of plants chosen, the materials used, the craftsmanship in putting together. So they're not going to tolerate any sloppiness or any sort of um, shoddy workmanship, whatever. They're very, very critical. So to get to gold level, I mean, you have to, the garden has to be pristine. And you'll see the 10 gardens this year. I mean, you you know yourself when looking at them, mm. that's at that standard, that's a gold standard. And then it falls to, to um, uh, gilt, silver gilt, which is just below gold and then it drops to silver and then to bronze. So there's the four different categories and it's really down to the judges to, to they're really looking for that That extra little bit of perfection. perfection. And, and something different um, and, you know, something something unusual as well. But also they're, they're really looking at the planting, which has to be really mm. important and the hard landscaping in terms of the quality of finish and, the, and just how the garden works. Yeah, so as an overall package. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, interesting. Yeah, so that's the way it works. Um, and the, award, the medals then are awarded on the Thursday morning, the opening of Bloom, they're, okay. they're handed out and that's a big, big wow. Okay. It's a big, big achievement for any of the landscapers because, you know, they can use that obviously in their own businesses then to promote themselves. Yes. Um, and most of those guys are at very high-end work, you know, okay. high-end projects. 
picking up Porik on uh, the Bloom thing. Somebody says, I really enjoyed the talk at Bloom yesterday. What was the name of the new basil plant and is it easy to get also? You mentioned a scented plant for a pot outdoors. I did. I mentioned, uh, and that's that's my that's the theme of my talk is adding colour to your garden, but also growing your five a day. So the basil plant I mentioned was one called Aristotle. We we featured it here last year on the program. Um, it'll be available about another week. Well, oh, it's the Greek it. basil it's one. It's the Greek one, Aristotle. Yeah, after the Greek philosopher, uh, small leaved basil, very very easy to grow, and it very actually. Pr- I think it's a lovely, pretty plant. It's a lovely plant. It grows like a little mm, boxwood, mm. and ideal on a patio. It grows outside very well, and I have that. At show and people love the smell and the taste of it it's, fa- it's a fabulous variety the scented plant I mentioned was Nemesia Wisley Vanilla that we featured here before okay. so I showed some pictures of that and uh, it's a really nice plant and there's lots of plants for sale at Bloom as well so people are up there there are really some really good plants um, available at Bloom Now uh, a couple of pictures in on WhatsApp first of all this morning um, my neighbour asked if you could identify the problem with her thuya trees do you think it's treatable so we have something that looks like a fungus or do they need replacement ask said and okay. we've had a look at these thuyas. So this is thuya blight very common on, on many thuyas so lots of the thuyas thuya spiraled in particular has this lovely conical shape cone shape and unfortunately it gets this blight like a bit like black spot on, on, on roses mm. it's a fungal disease it creates these black or brownish patches on the growth. So you, the idea is you prune those out, take them out, uh, take any damaged wood off them and then spray them with fungus clear. So um, fungus clear is used in all fungal diseases and this is what uh, thuya blight is. It's a fungal disease that comes onto blight and creates the brown patches. So get yourself a box of that, mix it up, apply it to the foliage and repeat it maybe two to three weeks later and that will control it. Now, uh, also uh, it's probably the conditions that the weather at the moment causing some of this. Um, We have a a fungus on a rose here. Two of my rose bushes have this grey-white dusty mould on the stem. What can I do? Michelle is in Shepherd's Bush in London. Oh, London. All the way from London. So that's grey mould. Um, again, it's a bit like a bit like the uh, thuya blight. It's a fungal disease as well that comes on roses. Again, Michelle could use the fungus clear, which is very good, or rose rescue is very effective as well, and that'll control not just the the um, the mildew; it'll also control black spot and and aphids okay. on the rose as well, and that should be used again about every two to three weeks this time of year. Feed the roses again at this time of year as well because they're actively growing and that'll build a bit of strength in them. Okay, from London to Clare Morris, uh, Gary is there and he's got a Landii hedge, a section that has died on a photograph in as well. And I don't know why. Uh, now it's fairly rusty coloured yeah. in the middle of it there. Uh, the rest of it is okay though. Yeah, the trouble is though, once the Landii go brown in patches like that, they're not going to reshoot. So all, all the list, listener can do hope for is to... I would prune out that dead wood, so prune that out and try and get the rest of the hedge to fill in in that area or else plant a new plant to grow back up into that area. So once the Lilandia get that browning on the foliage, um, it's been physically damaged in some way. So prune it back to where that dead growth ends. Plant maybe a fresh plant or try to trim it in a way that the plant the rest of the plants fill in that bare patch. Okay, fantastic. Uh, just not, not a gardening question, just a notice. There's cattle straying on the Bald Kiljimoff Road this morning okay. at Balnamore, we've been told, so we'll just pass that on. Uh, now, uh, bum, bum, bum. 
What plants will give me flower colour in late June or July in my pots? I need something for a special family occasion. Okay, well, it's an easy time of year. Lots of stuff is, is coming into flower at the moment. Um, so if it's pots and containers, all the summer flowering plants, the double flowering begonias are lovely at the moment. The non-stop begonias, they'll flower right through June, July and right up to November of next year. The nemesias that we talked about, if you want something with scent, get that one called Wisley Vanilla. It's beautiful. It's white. A vanilla scent from it. There's another lovely variety called uh, Rubber and custard which has orange or not orange but yellow and red, red. Uh, which is, is quite nice diaceas are giving lovely colour at the moment geraniums would be brilliant as well look at there's lots, lots of great plants drop into your local garden centre they'll have loads of colour and most of it is just starting now and it will continue to flower right through to the end of the summer so from rhubarb and custard there to, to just rhubarb right. on this occasion <laughs> we have rhubarb with lots of holes in the leaves and any tips on taking care of them please okay well the thing two things will put holes in in, uh, in uh, rhubarb so flea beetle and I have had actually quite a number of people in to the garden centre asking about flea beetle which is a, a small beetle shiny beetle that feeds on rhubarb and also also on cabbages so if you've got these kind of holes in the centre of the leaves that's flea beetle it's a sort of pest that when you actually go close to the plants they drop onto the soil so you don't physically see them they're actually hard to catch right. but they're quite shiny in colour um, look at it, a small bit of damage on rhubarb is, is not going to damage the plant uh, itself so if you can suffer with it leave it alone there's no need to treat it if it's very badly damaged then you can use something like the bulk clear bug clear ultra okay. which will control flea, flea beetle um, but to be honest with rhubarb I'd, I would just leave it and let it grow feed it well bring it on and it'll be perfectly fine the rain that we've, we had yesterday yeah. <laughs> will, <laughs> will, will encourage some new growth on rhubarb if you feed it now I've brown patches on the top of my beech and laurel hedge what is this and how do I resolve it? Yeah, and you had a question in on, on the hydrangea as well. On, we on did, WhatsApp yes, we have a photograph at. here, yes. So that, that particular hydrangea, you can see... What can I do with this, it just says. Yeah, and, and it's gone very red yes. in colour. And lots of hydrangeas have, have been licked by frost as have beech and laurel. So if people are noticing that, that brown patching, particularly on the tops of the plants, mm. that's due to the frost we had three weeks ago now. Uh, late, late frost, it, it basically damages hydrangeas, um, forest flames, laurels, beech. So you see lots of hedges with the top of the hedge gone brown and discoloured. It's only a bit of frost damage. It's only a bit of burning. It's not going to set the, it is going to set the plant back, of course, for a couple of weeks. But if you feed it, it'll come back into growth. I would fear that a lot of the hydrangeas will actually miss flowering this year because the tips have been burnt, the flower buds have been burnt. Okay. The, this one that on the picture mm. isn't actually too bad. It's just a, it's a patch of it really yeah, rather than the whole whereas, thing. But I've seen, I've seen lots of hydrangeas this year and they're, they're quite severely so burnt So where the back. little buds have started to form, they yeah. may not come exactly. to full flower. Because the flower bud on, on on the mop head hydrangea mm. is contained on the terminal bud on the end shoot and if that gets damaged it can or the flower may come out but it might be m misformed as well okay. so that's all down to frost damages so if people are noticing their hydrangeas gone reddish in colour brownish in colour the tips burnt at the top it's just weather damage it's nothing to do with pests or diseases or growing conditions it's just down to the frost give them a feed they'll kick back into growth but they may skip this year in terms of flowering okay so don't panic if no not happens. all hydrangeas will be damaged and not yeah. all beach thing yeah. particularly low lying if they're low but just know, if they're in exposed spots exposed I open to frost frost mm. the air sinks like cold water it sinks and it settles on the top of plants and burns them
Now, I have a small raised bed with a plastic cover and I'd like to grow some seeds of veg and herbs. Can I still sow them now or am I too late? No, no, you're not too late. It's only early June. The temperatures are ideal for sowing lots of of seeds of plants. Uh, Ten days ago, I sowed some carrots myself and uh, some of the speedy veg, which which is ready in three to four weeks. So you've still plenty of time to sow plants from seed. Now, what I would avoid are things like tomatoes or chilies or peppers. They need to be sown a lot earlier in January and February but most vegetable plants like the speedy veg like lettuce varieties like Laura Rossa or um, the butterhead lettuce um, Chinese cabbage could be sown at this time of year so any of those quick maturing carrots the one I sold was one called Ronda which is that round one which is ready in six weeks time it doesn't need any peeling you top and tail it and, and boil it it's, it's absolutely lovely so there's lots of seed that can still be sown in a cloche at this time of year and indeed you'll still get plants in your local garden centre so maybe sow a little bit of both a couple of you know, maybe a dozen plants and plant some seed at the same time and they'll be up in no time Fantastic. particularly with the cover they'll be up in 10 days 14 days is- and ready to harvest within 3 to 4 weeks Brilliant. I, I need help with sunflowers. They've come through the soil now and they have leaves, but one of them is starting to collapse. And I think something is eating the leaves, question mark. What do I do with them, please? And can you suggest a feed for them? Okay, so are they, are they, uh, they're, they're in pots, are they at the moment? Uh, I, we're, that's, we're not specific, I'm okay, afraid. Okay. So we're not sure if well, they're in pots or in the ground. This is the time of year for planting sunflowers out into your garden soil. So up to this, they they would have been damaged by frost if they went out too early. But any time from June onwards, you can plant sunflowers out into the garden. They do need staking because the stem can be quite fragile, particularly if you get wet, windy weather, it can get damaged and knocked over. Slugs, of course, will... Uh, eat the foliage of them so it may be a little bit of slug damage that the listener is seeing but they're, they're so vigorous they tend to grow to have any damage so I would take them now plant them out of doors put down some compost into the soil get a good bamboo cane tie them to that generally plant them in a block so if you've got maybe a dozen plants plant them in a kind of a square or a block together because each plant will give support and sunflowers need the sun so plant them in a bright sunny open area remember they'll come into flower in late July early August you'll have seed then in September October and the birds will come in and feed on that seed right through the autumn and winter period so they're a great little project for kids and actually while I think of it on the grow on the um, Bordemona stand if you are at bloom they're giving away little sunflower kits so you can get a little pot with compost and sunflower seed and you can sow that oh lovely so if if the kids are are, uh, at bloom Tomorrow or the next day, drop up onto the board in the morning stand and they'll have a freebie for them. Okay. We've got wild grass in a lawn. How do I get rid of it? It's difficult to get rid of because all the proprietary lawn weed killers um, differentiate between grass and broadleaf weeds. So they kill the broadleaf weeds and they don't harm the grass. So the only way to, you either suffer it and and live with it. So that's wild meadow grass or it can be scutch grass that comes in on lawns. It's it's different in colour to the the ordinary lawn grass and of course it's more vigorous as well so it tends to stand out. So you either live with it and just cut it the same as as the regular lawn or you can spot treat those particular areas with something like the Roundup gel or with a bit of weed free. It will kill the grass in that area. It won't contaminate the soil and you can reseed fresh seed and let it germinate fresh grassy. But you tend to get in rural areas, you're getting wildflowers, uh, wildflower meadow grass seeds coming in from pasture land next door. So it's kind of difficult to keep it, keep it out at bay all, all yeah. the time. Yeah. So my advice really is look, live with it, keep it mowed, keep it trimmed, keep it nicely mowed back and you'll actually help to reduce it by doing that. that. 
Okay, uh, we're going to take another quick break, okay. but just before that, quick time check as well in association with a Ceramic City coming up on 16 minutes now away from 10. Your Midwest Radio time check with thanks to Ceramic City Tiles and Bathrooms, Sligo, Charlestown and Castle Bar. Serving customers for over 50 years with miles of tiles at prices you can afford at ceramiccity.ie. We want to say congratulations to all at Cushion of Thrall in Ballycroy. Yeah, Corrick. they have a yeah. nursery. We, have a we, we, we weren't skipping by them at all. But I know there are a number of uh, different people from this particular part of the world involved in Bloom. And they also won medals yesterday. I, or think, I think Shane won a medal last year as well from memory. If, if they, I think yeah. it was on with Tommy and myself. So there's lots of great nurseries at, at Bloom. So it's, you know, as I say, it's well worth having a good mooch around. You'll see some different plants and um, you know lots of and, and lots of the plants that I speak at at Bloom are available at the show as yeah. well so so Cushion Throw I think are a nursery in Ballycroy so Fiona and Shane and everybody there good morning and congratulations and they say that they really like listening to the programme as well which is nice to hear now uh, we touched on the sunflowers there people wondering is it too early to put out the hanging baskets I suppose people are a little bit once bitten twice shy yeah, now well, because look, of the we're, frost we're kind of on the border now of you know put them out like look if you're going to get, if we're going to get the sort of weather conditions if it's windy and wet they're better off keep them in for another week or two 10 days. Uh, There's no urgency let's put it that way to put them out. If you've got them in the greenhouse tunnel I would leave them there for maybe another week and coax them on a little bit more and wait for the weather just to change. But the risk of frost has gone now so from a frost perspective we won't, it's really just we've got cold windy, uh, wet sort of weather they're just going to get a little bit battered so I would keep them in for another week and then put them out. And my talk at Bloom is very much about the planting up of hanging baskets, that's one element of it so I show people a lot of hints and tips when they're doing them up. And remember one of the points I make is that we've Many hanging baskets will stay in flower till November. So you've got five months of colour yet to come. So don't be rushing to push them out. You've still plenty of time to plant them up and um, they'll flower. Most of the plants will stay in bloom till October, November. Now, I've potatoes set in the same space for a second season. What can I care can I give it uh, so that we'll have a good crop again next year? Okay, well, Forward planning. Well, they're going to plant that you plant again in yeah. the same spot yeah. next yeah. year. Well, we do like to think of crop rotation and moving the plants around. And when you f- visit the OPW in the Victoria, garden they always move the various crops around each year but one of the things that Brian does just after lifting the potatoes is to sow some green manure so if you go into your local garden centre and get a packet of green manure which is a seed you simply dig your potatoes out of the ground you chuck on the green manure that germinates and grows through the winter helps to keep the weeds controlled but more importantly it adds back in nutrition back into the soil but preferably if you can so I would do that but then next year maybe grow cabbages or grow something else from a, a, something mm. different to uh, potatoes in the soil and try and move the potatoes to another area because potatoes are quite hungry feeders. They tend to use a lot of nitrogen in the soil and you'd be better putting in maybe some root crops into that area next year and moving the potatoes slightly to a, a, a new section of ground um, if at all vi- advisable. But certainly sow some green manure, that's a great idea and that'll germinate over the autumn winter period and it'll help to keep the ground clean as well and fertilised. Facelia would be a good green manure to use a red clover okay now we have a photograph sent in of an orchid yes and the question is (laughs) (laughs) what would uh, would another orchid evolve here 
or should I send it to the museum? No, not at all. It's, it's orchids live for for I was going to say forever, but they live for a many, considerable time, a long, long time. You can see the flower head. They the it obviously has flowered and it's producing seed. So my advice really would be to 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 remove the stem and the seed head. So you can see the spike mm. and the seed head. So all of the energy is going in to produce the seed, which really is going to come to nothing. So my advice here would be to, to prune back the stem, start feeding the plant now with orchid feed, and that plant will come back into flower next probably Christmas or early spring of next year. So it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly healthy. The leaves are lovely and healthy on it as well. And um, it obviously has flowered maybe two months ago and it's producing its, its seed head now. at the moment. So I would just prune that back, start liquid feeding it. If it's in a small pot, maybe move it into a larger pot. Yeah. And orchids need a specialised orchid compost you'll get in your local garden centre. Okay, but not for a fit for no, museum no, at no, all not yet. not at all, not for retirement just yet. Somebody was thinking of investing in a Cornuscosa China girl. What's the best way to look after it? Well, it's a beautiful tree, first of all. So the Cornus are in the dogwood family and actually there's a lot of them at bloom this year. They're flowering at the moment in, in full flower. They've got star-shaped flowers, the Cornus China girl, white in colour, but they, they produce beautiful green leaves in summer. But in the autumn and winter, they turn a fabulous red and orange colour. So they're a specimen tree, really. So my advice would be to plant, don't stick it in amongst other shrubs. Plant it somewhere that you can admire it in, in over the next number of years as it matures and as it grows. It's going to grow to about 12 to 14 feet. So it's a small, a relatively small tree or large shrub. And it's got these beautiful white flowers. They tend to have them in layer. There's another, in layers, there's another variety of cornus called Controversia variegata, which is the wedding cake tree. Yes. Exactly the same family. Similar type flowering, but it has variegated foliage and it produces this beautiful, beautiful layered shape. So China Girl is a really nice variety. I would plant it maybe somewhere in the lawn, uh, maybe at the back of a border where you can see it. So somewhere that you can, you can, um, you, you're not enclosing it with other plants around the base of it. You're not hiding it, as it were. It needs to be out on its own and uh, grown as a specimen tree. But it's it's quite wind tolerant. Um, easy, relatively easy to grow and you'd buy them at different sort of heights. You know, they can be, the bigger plants, you know, can be a little bit more expensive. So maybe start it off small and uh, so plant it in the lawn, plant it in a large shrub bed, um, maybe in a corner, somewhere you're going to be able to see it from a distance. A really uh, nice tree. Loretta was at Bloom yesterday and she Great. just wanted to say she saw all the gardens, hoped, uh, I hope a lot of people get to it, it's well worth a visit. Sure and is. somebody else wondering about the cost to get into Bloom. Well, I haven't paid... <laughs> No, boring, to get into that. bloom for the last 10 years so I honestly don't know. So for those of us who are paying right, to get into it, I've just looked it up for you. It's twenty two fifty per, twenty two twenty rather, uh, for an adult ticket price for a single day but there are other variations as in two days and stuff like that or and there are concessions I guess uh, probably for... And ch- remember the for, children for, for, go, for go free as yeah, well so yeah. if you have a family unit you're just yeah, paying children for Children under 16 are yeah. free uh, and concessions if you have concession um, status I suppose it's nineteen fifty for the weekend. There you go. Yeah. Okay. There so there go. you go. Can't give you yeah. many more. But than it that. is a full day event. Yeah. I mean, you will pack in from nine till six if you want. There's enough to see for the whole for day. For the whole day. Yeah. Um, I've a conifer tree. It's about twenty years old. It's going brown. What could be the problem? Well, the conifer says it could be back to our thuias, it could be the thuia blight. Um, generally, things that will turn conifers brown are high wind, 
dogs lifting their leg, of course, on the side of them will 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 uh, discolour them as well. Any physical damage will turn them brown as well, or diseases like uh, Thuya blight will cause. Maybe if the listener takes a picture of it and sends it in by WhatsApp to us, we'll yep. have a look at it. Once the conifers go brown, that the wood that is, is dead, yeah. and they don't have the ability, like many other plants, of re- so our hydrangea, for example, that's gone reddish and brown, that has the ability to reshoot again. The beech and the laurel have the ability to reshoot again. But unfortunately, conifers, when you get that brown wood, that's dead wood, and that doesn't have the ability to reshoot. So if it's very brown, you may need to replace it with something a little bit more hardier. Uh, I've palm trees. The ground is covered in ivy and is climbing up the trees. Will it kill the trees? How do I get rid of this ivy? Well, ivy in itself isn't parasitic. Like it's not going to feed off the trees. Mm. But the danger with ivy is that as it grows, I mean, the ivy is using the plant, using the, the trees as support, uh, the palms as support. They will stick to it and scramble up along it. And they can add a lot of weight to the trees. So particularly in windy weather, they can be a nuisance and, and often break branches. So my advice would be to keep it off the conifers if you can. So cut it at ground level. You can treat it, once it regrows, you can treat it with the Roundup gel or with weed-free. Just apply it onto the new growth and that will kill off the ivy without affecting the palm. So it is advisable to keep it off the trees as much as possible. It's not going to be a nuisance for for a couple of years, but as it gets heavy, uh, which ivy does, Mm. and you often see trees in stormy weather, those that are clad in ivy, they, they, they tend to get broken branches and fall over. So yes, I would take the ivy off the conifers and as I say, cut it to ground level, let it regrow, give it a, a treatment of the weed free and that will kill it without okay. affecting your conifer. Okay, great. Uh, time is getting tight now, so we'll just have one or two more. My arum lily collapsed with the rain. Will they come upright again, asks Ah, uh, they will, yeah. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll reshoot again okay. and come back up again. Okay. Are you familiar with the plant, the runaway bride? Yeah. Uh, and do you stock it? Uh, somebody spoke about it yesterday, says Laura. I spoke about it myself. Oh, yourself. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> No, there could have been somebody else speaking about it. So this is Hydrangea, Runaway Bride. I actually featured it in the piece on the Crumlin with Kieran Dunn because he has it planted in the children's hospital. hospital. Great it's, title and <coughs> name for a flower. Well, I was saying to the audience, well, what is the message, the Runaway Bride? Yeah. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, it's unusual in that it's a variety of hydrangea. It's like a lace cap hydrangea, white in colour, but it flowers on new wood. So, which means that like a rose bush, as it produces new growth, it produces new flowers. Whereas many hydrangeas flower on older wood, and we're often asked here on the programme, you know, mm. I planted a hydrangea and it hasn't flowered for two or three years. That's because the ordinary mophead varieties flower on older wood, whereas Runaway Bride is a variety that flowers in its first year. So once you plant it into the garden, it starts to flower. It flowers through, right through to the end of the summer. And uh, it flowers every year after that. I in my in my talk, I use a couple of slides, and I have pictures of the runaway bride, hydrangea runaway bride, um, in, planted in pots and in borders. So if people are uh, at bloom and, and catch me at three o'clock tomorrow, you'll see images, and I have the plant there as well, and I tell people a lot about it. So okay. hydrangea runaway bride, good good plant. I'm afraid we're going to have to pause run it there away, for we? today. We have to run away ourselves, um, Boric. Um, but we'll be back again next Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and if people are in bloom tomorrow, mm. Sunday and Monday, I'm on the board of Mona stand for most of the day and I'm also then on the expert stage at three o'clock at both days. And uh, so the people can come along, come along, come along, ask some questions and listen to the talk. And, and the speakers the whole day. So Jerry Daly's on, uh, Owen Reid is on, Mick Kelly from the GIY in Waterford, yeah. he's on as well. So some fantastic speakers there right through the, the week. OK, looking forward to it. OK. Yep.
Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's it from us for this morning. Do stand by. Michael Neary is on the way next. Country Classics right through until one o'clock here on this bank holiday Saturday on Midwest. I'm back again next Saturday. Until then, good morning to you.